Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. All right, thank you, Jesus. Tell you what, you better not take for granted that breath in your lungs. You know, we got to realize that life itself is a gift from God. How many of you forget that sometimes? Don't lie. For the next promotion or we look to the next thing, but in the moment we are in right now, God has lavished so much goodness on us. You know, I always think, Lord, if you did nothing except salvation, it would have been enough. You know, and I know many of us, maybe we came to that place of salvation because of all the promises. Oh, it'll be good. You're not going to have to go to hell. It's going to be great. Now, I tell you often, man, when I received salvation, they lied to me. Always wake up on the right side of the bed, and it's going to be great. You know, I remember when I was a child growing up, and uh, I asked my mom, I said, Mom, I said, why do we have to wait to go to heaven? You know, my mind said, Lord, if, if at the end we die and we go to heaven, why do we have to wait? Why does it take so long? Why don't we all just go now? And in that moment of my life, I was looking at salvation as this easy thing. I didn't realize the cost of following Christ, right? It's, it's a challenge. It's not this easy thing all the time where I wake up, even as a pastor, I don't wake up every morning saying, praise God, I'm glad I get to serve the Lord. And like, I don't always do that. Now, there's moments when I get spiritually right before my feet hit the ground, and um, it's, it's one of those things that I often remember. But salvation came at a price and a cost. So shouldn't being a follower of Christ come at a price and a cost? It should cost you something. So this morning, I wanna, we're gonna start a new series. I always like to preach in series and I like to look at different things. And so we're gonna start a series on evangelism, okay? So as I was thinking about what do we, where do we go next? What do we talk about? So we're gonna take four weeks and we're gonna look at the gospel, we're gonna look at the blood, we're gonna look at the Holy Spirit, and we're gonna look at the power of our testimony because I believe that these four things are what you need to really effectively reach your family, your community, and your world. If any of these components are really taken out, if you don't really understand what the gospel is, what the blood did, who the Holy Spirit is within us, and the power of your own personal testimony, you're really gonna go to war and, and into the world without what you need. You know, this morning, give you a little funny thing that happened this morning. I forgot my belt. Now, I didn't realize till halfway through the parking lot, and I said, man, something is missing. Called my mother-in-law, said, hey, I need a favor. Go break in my house. No, she has a key. She went into my house, said, give me any black belt you can find. But man, when I got the belt on, it just feels right. You ever done that? Some of you are like, maybe you don't ever wear belts. You don't know what that feels like, okay? But when you wear a belt, it just kind of, it just, like I said, it feels right, but you also know what it, when it feels wrong. 
I could have I could have went all day without that belt, but it was just it was right. Okay, so we realize when we have all of these things in our life, you know, it's it's what we need to be successful. So the gospel is really shared through the work of evangelism. So the definition of evangelism is this: it's the spreading of Christian the Christian gospel by public speaking or personal witness. So just if you think the gospel is just the preaching side, what Pastor Noe is doing, guess what? It's also up to you in your public witness. It, you heard that word, public, right? We do it in front of people. We don't say, oh, Pastor Noe, I live my gospel in my bedroom. Nobody knows. My, my relationship with God is strong. I ain't got to show anybody. Do you realize the power of the gospel is in, the, in sharing the story of what Christ has done for you and what Christ has done in you? That's where the power of the gospel happens. So today, we're going to start this evangelism series by focusing on the gospel. Now, this morning, before you check out, you say, Pastor Noe, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not called to be an evangelist. Maybe I'm a preacher. Maybe, you know, I'm apostle, prophet, whatever it is. And you say, I don't, I don't, I'm not to function in the position of the evangelist. Well, let me challenge you and respond to you by saying, it's okay. God hasn't even called me to be an evangelist, but he does call all of us to do the work of the evangelist. Okay? That's what he commissions us to. That's what he asks us to do. It may not be my calling, but it is my mandate. Say, it's not my calling. Point to yourself, but it's my mandate. He calls all of us to do the work of the evangelist. So 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 5. So this was a commission to Timothy from Paul. It says, it's verse 2. Listen to this. It says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. And he begins to map it out. Correct, rebuke and encourage. So if I were to pause right now and I said, Trey, I need you to come up and preach right now. Are you ready? Oh, Lord Jesus. He said, I'll go play guitar. Ken, I need you to come up and share this morning, like on the moment. Are you ready here and now? Felix. So, oh, Jesus, I'm here to sit by my wife today, right? Whatever it may be, are you ready in and out of season? It doesn't mean, you know, and you know, I, I think that there's different ways of preparing, but let me tell you what. If you cannot find anything good in your life right now that Christ has done for you, you're missing the big picture. There has to be something. Tell your testimony. Tell what happened. Tell, you know, you know I mean, I believe that we are living today in the answered prayers of yesterday. We have to realize that I'm, you know, I'm here today because of my mama's and her mama mama's prayer, right? You know, it's not just what I've done, but it's what other people have done on my behalf that, that let me step into this blessing in this moment. Man, I got awesome children. I see a blessing from the Lord. You know, if you have kiddos, remember, they are a blessing from the Lord, even on the bad, crazy hair days where you want to pull all your hair out and say, Lord, you called them a blessing, not a curse, right? You know, there's those moments where they challenge you or they don't respond like you want them to respond and, and you start praying overtime for your kid's soul, right? For your kid's spiritual well-being. But we have to see those blessings. We have to see what they are, right? So we got to be ready in and out of season. Let's keep going. It says, correct, uh-oh, rebuke, uh-oh. I like the encourage part. But notice there's three things there. So I really believe in a well-rounded gospel or in a well-rounded message. You're going to have all three of those. What does correct look like? Somebody, Maybe somebody's sharing something, and it's just their, the popular opinion, but it's contrary to Scripture. That's when he said, whoa, 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 whoa. And Jesus said, hey, no, in Scripture it says this. 
What about rebuke? Oh, you need to be quiet. Don't eat, like blasphemy. Like, I mean, that's just rebuking. That's, that's a strong word. Now, we all camp around the encouragement side. We all love encouragement, right? How many of you do not like correction? How many of you like rebuke? I don't like any of those, right? I thought I got, I got, got out of those when I became a full-grown man. But those are things that the scripture is used to, to, to cause us to be all that God wants us to be. And it goes on to say, with great patience and careful instruction. Verse three, it says, for the time will come when people will not, will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. Verse four, they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, this is talking about you, Keep your head in all situations. So what does that mean? Don't be a hothead. Don't get mad. In that correction and rebuke, don't lose your stuff and your Christianity in that moment. But it says, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. You might be right there today, enduring that hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. So I don't even know what that word is or what it is, right? But God tells you to be one. It says, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Let me start with this story of answering the question, what is the gospel, okay? So a gentleman visited, visited a mission school at a large church in Waco, Texas, and he decided to try a test on the whole group. So what he did, he says, tell me, what is the gospel? So a young lady raised her hand real quick and said, it's a free gift from God. So he walked over there to the chalkboard and he wrote, it's a free gift from God. And he said, okay, what else, what else is the gospel? Somebody else tell me, freedom from sin. So the man walked, he wrote it down, great. Eternal life, yep, keep going. He says, you know, um, he wrote it on the chalkboard. So after listening, freedom, righteousness, moral purity, grace, unconditional love, you know, healing and deliverance, redemption, faith in God, new life. So after five minutes of this, there was the, the chalkboard was full of all of the things. And he said, excellent, it's a great job. Did we miss anything? And for a moment, the room was silent. They could tell that, you know, their heads were turning back and forth. The pages were ruffling and they were, you know, everybody seemed to think there was something significant missing, but nobody wanted to volunteer to name the missing thing. So after another minute of silence, a girl in the very back raised her hand and said, how come nobody said Jesus? Exactly, he said. He closed the session, went to break, and the point was made. So we have to realize, without Jesus, there is no gospel. There is, it doesn't matter. You, you can focus on all the benefits of the gospel. You can focus on all the benefits of what Jesus will give you. But if Jesus is not the bridge that redeems you back to the Father, you really have a broken gospel. Jesus is the only one. The gospel without Jesus is not the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. Can you say that with me? Say, Jesus is the gospel. So if you're explaining to somebody what is the gospel, you better start with Jesus, right? But a lot of us, what do we do? We pursue the hands of God rather than the heart of God and the person of Jesus, we enter into a, an, an understanding of this agreement of, well, what's in it for me if I receive salvation? So we're focusing on what we can get rather than who we are to serve and who we're to place our trust in. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, not by work so that no one can boast. We have to realize that there is nothing we can actually do to save ourselves. We're, we're a lost cause, right? We are hopeless. 
We cannot do it. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot be good enough. But God knew that. He didn't want anyone to earn salvation through their own merit or their own work or their own purity, but they had a plan. So to communicate what the gospel is, we have to know what Jesus has done. That's the focus of all of it. So have you, have you ever thought of how to answer this question of, of saying, what is the gospel? Now, if I were to ask you that, what is the gospel? You know, we know what it is, but we don't really communicate it well. Like, if it, you know, if it was on the spot, you'd know, be like, well, uh, we just don't think about the response. Now, I think we might say, who is Jesus? But what is the gospel? Because if we are to share the gospel and do the work of the evangelist, we have to kind of know the framework of the gospel in its entirety, we don't want to be just like, well, Jesus, uh, that's all I know, right? We need to know what he did and what the plan was and all, all the details of that, right? So we have to understand what the, what the gospel is. Now, the word gospel literally means good news. So it occurs 93 times in the Bible, exclusively in the New Testament. So the Greek word for this word is euangelion. That's the word in the Greek. And, you know, we get the, the English word evangelist, evangel, or evangelical. That's where that word comes from, the work of the evangelist, sharing the good news. So the gospel, broadly speaking, is the whole scripture, but more narrowly, it is the gospel of the good news concerning Christ and the way of salvation. You know, the Bible talks about that the way to salvation, that that road is really narrow, and it says only a few find it, but many miss it. You know, I thought that many would find Jesus and very few would miss it, but that's not what the scripture says. You know, but he's, he's really made it dependent on a person and not your purity or not your process to work out that salvation, right? So we have to realize that the gospel is the good news of what God did through Jesus, so if we're going to reach our families, our communities, and the world, we have to learn how to communicate what the gospel is and share the gospel when the opportunity presents itself. Do the work of the evangelist. Share Jesus with people. Now, I, I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I mean, I bet there's some in here that have never shared the gospel of Jesus with others. But aren't you glad somebody shared the gospel of Jesus with you? Right? You're like, man, it was the best story I ever heard. And man, I, I placed my faith in that story, believed in it, my life radically changed. You know, it's, it's really like we have the cure. And once we receive the cure, we can give the cure to others. So why, if I have the world's greatest cure for separation from God... Why would I keep that to myself? But we know that the gospel was supposed to be shared through the work of the evangelist between you and I sharing with other people. That was the intent, right? But it says, do the work of the evangelist, share Jesus with people. So I'm gonna give you, can we go ahead and start passing out these cards? So I'm gonna, this is gonna take just a minute, but I want you to have one of these. So go ahead and you go to that next slide, what the gospel is. This is the best definition that I have seen. Now, there's a lot of different things. There's a lot of different phrases. There's a lot of different um, things that it says. But 
this is what the gospel is. While they're passing this out, I'm, I'm gonna read this to you. It says, the gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life that we should have lived and died the death that we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the, from the dead, proving that he truly was the son of God and offering salvation and forgiveness of sins for any, everyone who repents and believes in him. I'm giving this to you because I want you to have a tool for your toolbox. When somebody asks you, say, now I don't care if you gotta pull that thing out. Say, whoa, 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 gospel moment. I don't wanna mess it up. Now, it'd be more effective if you memorize it, right? But listen, if you gotta pull this thing out and read it to somebody, I believe God can work through that because it covers every aspect, every part, if you, if you still, we're still working on it, after we pass them out, make sure everybody gets one. I want everyone to have one in your possession. Put it in your purse, put it in your wallet, put it somewhere where if you need it, you'll have it. So I'm gonna read that one more time. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus. He lived the life that we should have lived. So he set the example, but then he died the death we should have died in my place. Three days later, he rose from the dead proving that he was the son of God and offering salvation and forgiveness of sins for everyone who repents and believes in him. That is a power-packed statement. When we really look at it, we break it down. One of my favorite parts of that is that he rose from the dead proving he was who he said he was. We take out the resurrection. I mean, people don't like this word, but it's really a broken gospel if you can prove that he didn't raise from the dead. Because our own resurrection at the end of time, when Jesus comes back with all his heavenly angels, is pivotal on the fact that Jesus raised from the dead. But if he raised from the dead, guess what? He'll raise us from the dead also. With that, whatever that body I'm supposed to get when I get to heaven will be resurrected to new life. You know, uh, I don't know what it'll be. Like, I always, I always think about that. Man, is it going to be when I'm like 18 years old, when I hit my prime and like unlimited energy? Is that where it's going to be like, Yes. Let's run all day and eat whatever I want and never gain anything, right? I don't know what it's going to be like, but it's going to be great. But all of that hinges on that he resurrected. So we'll resurrect also. Let's look at Romans 1, 16 through 17. Did everybody get a card? You did? Okay, awesome. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Let me just stop right there. I am not ashamed of the gospel. The only reason you should not be sharing with others may be because you're ashamed. And that makes absolutely no sense. I mean, I know we have that peer pressure of, oh, you're a Christian, but the problem is because there's a misconception of what Christianity really is. If people really knew what Christianity was all about, it'd be a good thing, not a negative thing. And I know it's the few that mess it up for the all. I hate when people say, well, all Christians, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Go get the boxing gloves. It ain't all of us. It ain't every church. It's not every preacher. It's not every Christian. But there are some that mess it up for all, right? They mess it up. But it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Don't allow peer pressure or people around you to really just snuff the testimony of the gospel in your life. Do not be ashamed of it. I think the opposite of that would be what? Be bold. Be courageous. Shout it from the mountaintop, the gospel. But this is what it says, because, this is why, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. 
It's the key that unlocks a heart of stone and will cause it to become a heart of flesh. It says first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Guess what? We is the Gentiles, right? It started there and then it went to all the people of the world. And I like that it says bring salvation to everyone who believes. Now I'm not gonna get on a doctrine trail, but some people say, well, what about the elect? What about the ones that chosen? Well, I don't know, but it says everyone who believes. So that's me, that's you, that's whoever. What about the 3,000, the 300,000? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it says that the 300,000 will be da-da-da. Listen, everyone. Because guess what? The 300,000 already were born dead and they're gone. So that means all of us are hopeless? Come on. I know I'm going to heaven and we're already over the number. So it kind of disravels that whole. When it says everyone all, it's up to you. As long as the ark door is open, you can get in the boat. But there comes a moment when God says it's done and the door is closed and your fate is sealed. That's why there has to be some urgency in sharing the gospel. There has to be some urgency. Tell your friends. I remember when I was young, I was always scared of my friends going to hell. I said, Lord, can you, can you imagine dying? You know, you got two lines, one going to hell, one going to heaven, and you're in the heaven line, and your buddies are over there, and they look at you, and they're screaming across the chasm because they can't get there because they didn't believe in Jesus. And they said, Noe, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you warn me? Now, what I would love to hear is, you warned me. I'm sorry I didn't believe. Rather than, you never told me. That scares me to death, that, that I would have people, and we know those broken people. We know people hurting, discouraged, frustrated, mad at God that need Jesus. They don't have a clear understanding of who God is. Therefore, they, they have a hard time receiving the promise of Jesus. But I'll tell you what, as you begin to share the gospel, it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For the gospel, for, for in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. It's not by you just acting right and being good. This is, a, this is what faith works in us. Faith in Jesus causes righteousness on our lives. And it's not even through us, it's through Jesus. I'll get to that in just a minute. From first to last, 1 Corinthians 15, 2, it says, by the gospel you are saved. So if it said by the gospel, we better figure out what this gospel is. So if I ask you, what is the gospel? Pull out your cheat sheet, right? I got the gospel, I know what it is. Memorize it, meditate on it. It says, because this is how you are saved. It says, by this gospel you are saved. But if you hold firmly to the word, hold firmly to what the scripture says, I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Galatians 1, 6 through 9. Sorry I'm hammering you with a lot of scripture, but I'm gonna let the scripture preach for itself. It says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And, that, and are turning to a different gospel. Row, row. All right, well, that's where we're at today. There's many churches that the beliefs and the standards are being compromised contrary to the word of God. And I say, I don't know how they do it. They're gonna have to stand before God and they, they, they justified compromising the word because of culture? Come on. If you're a culture person, can't be a Christian person. Because they're really going in two separate directions. If you haven't figured that out, one's going straight to hell, one's going to glory in heaven. Right? They're going to stay st keeping that course, the narrow road. That's what this is. The wide road is a tolerance for everything. You understand? A tolerance for everything. And it's, it's happening all around us. 
It says, but, but many of you so quickly deserting the one who called you into his grace, uh, turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to per- pervert the gospel of Christ. Verse eight, it says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. It says, if I'm preaching something that's not contrary to the word of God, let the curse be on me. Some strong words. Let's go make sure them boys are preaching the right gospel. Right, And then it goes on to say, as we have already said, now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So the gospel is what? Pull out your little card. Let's read it together. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ, that he lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God. Now I'm making sure y'all reading it. It's a good job. This is the only salvation. There's no other way. You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, I get to God my own way. Oh, God will let me in. We got got a special arrangement. (laughs) If that special arrangement is in Jesus, you're not getting in the gate. You may kind of skim me up the fence, and if you get in, they're going to throw you out. There's only one way to heaven. There's only through one person. Acts 4.12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This is Jesus alone. Mark 1.15, it says, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So we know that good news always replaces the gospel. The gospel always replaces the good news. The gospel should be good news. If it is not good news to you, maybe you never heard it the right way. Or maybe it was a false gospel. Well, that God guy, he's real hard. He makes you, you have to be perfect to get into heaven. Blasphemy. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. That ain't what he said. That ain't what he said in the word. He said, Jesus is what makes me righteous. It's not my acts. It's not my deeds, lest any man can boast. Come on. Don't take that. <laughs> You'll hear it. Well, he's just, he, his standard's too high. It's okay. He didn't require me to meet the standard. He required Jesus to meet the standard. Hello? Right? And he met the standard for you and I. Uh-huh. Y'all excited about this? Man, this is some good stuff. So repent and believe the good news. It is good news. You know, it should, you should be excited to share the gospel with people. You know, if you ever had something really, really cool happen in your life, like let's say somebody gave you a brand new car, a brand new house. You said, I'll take it, Lord. Right here, right there, you grabbed it. If that were to happen, you think you'd be quiet about it? Be like, or would you be like a little kid trying to go to sleep on Christmas Eve. Can't sleep. I'm so excited. I got the, I'm all, I just want to tell. I can't wait when I get up. Something's great. It's going to be there. And it, it is the greatest story ever. Remember, I said story, not fairy tale. Many people don't believe that it happened. They, they don't understand that this is straight from Scripture. But make sure we are telling the story based on Scripture and don't get it out of context. That's why I'm giving you a whole lot of Scripture this morning. We're going to keep it in context of what Scripture says. The testimony 
that we have in the gospel. But it should be something that, that is good news, should be exciting to share. First John 5, 11 through 12, and it says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in my own merit, what I do, being good enough? No, I'm, okay, that's what some people like to say. It, 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 this life is in his son. Listen to, look at verse 12, this is very important. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. There's the contrast. You got Jesus, you can get in. You don't got Jesus, you can't get in. You can be living like hell and have Jesus and be okay, or you can be trying to live as righteous as you can apart from Jesus and still go to hell. It's not based on how good you are. I wanna share with you real quick the components of the gospel. And this is, this is taken from evangelism explosion. It's a, it's a tool that people use for evangelism. So I'm gonna give you some of these framework of these things you gotta have in the gospel. You gotta tell people about, right? So number one is grace. So what does grace mean? It, it, it's, a, it's a free gift. It, it's getting what I don't deserve. It, it's not earned or deserved. Now, if you ever think for one moment that you deserved Jesus, <laughs> You are so wrong. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, deserving of death. Even you, Pastor Noe? Oh, I was right on my way to hell till I met Jesus. I was no different. All have sinned. Just like I said, all inclusive, everyone, all, same word. We were all deserving of death. But Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, though, it says, but it was for grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself, it's a free gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. If uh, I were to ask you, you know, why should God let you into heaven? And you start explaining, well, you know, I go to church every Sunday. I try to be real good. I, I look at the Ten Commandments and I try to make sure I do, don't commit any violations there. And Pastor, I even give my offerings. I give to the church. Guess what? All of those things are self-merit. If the word Jesus does not come up and the word cross does not come up and blood does not come up and forgiveness of sin does not come up, you're missing it. Without Jesus, you'll never get in. But grace, it's not earned. It's a free gift. So, so number two, man, we gotta deal with man, right? We gotta deal with who we are. So we have to realize what? We are sinners. Say, I am a sinner. The worst of worst. Man, if we, could, if we could really rip back what's inside, ain't nobody would like to look at that. Even in the place we're at now, being made into the image of Christ. Remember I was talking about that mind, that will, emotions. It, it says, the saving, the scripture actually says, saving of your souls. This is the parts that are working out. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Hold on, I thought it was done. It says, work it out. God keeps working on us. He renews our mind. He starts dealing with our emotions. And then hopefully between those two, our will starts focusing in the direction of what God wants rather than what we want. You know, a lot of times our will is in opposition to God's will. I want what I want when I want it. You think you're ordering from McDonald's when you go before God's throne of grace. Well, I want a Big Mac, supersize the fry, Dr. Pepper, easy on the ice. <laughs> Whatever you're ordering, that's, that's not what we're doing. 
When we, when we go before his throne of grace, we just say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Because we know the will nature inside of us can be contrary if it not has really been saturated and conformed to the image of Christ. So man, before any of that happens, guess what? You is a sinner. Right? And secondly, you cannot save yourself. It's like you're stuck in a hole and you can't get out and somebody throws you a rope. That rope is Jesus. Till that rope gets thrown to you, you cannot get out of the hole. Now, what are you, what are you, a lot of you stubborn suckers, this is what you say, I don't need that rope, I can get out. Good luck. Stay in the hole. Like, well, I can kind of, you can't get out of the hole. The chasm is far too wide that no man could pass, that no man could get from one side to the other. We're all sinful. We cannot save ourselves. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by, the, by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Let's look at God just for a minute. So th this is important too because I feel like sometimes it's really hard to receive Jesus because we don't understand God. But we have to understand that the, the, one of the main things you hear, why would a loving God... Fill in the blank. All the time, every day, every moment. You start talking about Jesus, they're gonna blame God for something. They, miss, they have a misunderstanding of who God is. He's not your buddy, he's not your friend, he is God, right? So first and foremost, God can do whatever he wants. Now some of you are like, it's a little radical, can I trust him? If you understand the nature of who God is. So let me tell you who God is. So God is merciful, so what does he do? He, he, doesn't, he, he does not wanna punish us. You gotta realize that. God's not this bad God going around with a ruler saying, ooh, bop, gotcha. He, he does not wanna punish us. He's merciful. But you know what God is also? He's just. Now, we always want mercy, but we don't want justice. Now, we want justice when we're right, but we don't want justice when we're wrong. Whoa, 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 hold on. You're setting me up. Yeah, I'm setting you up. Right? We want God to release mercy, but we want God, we want justice served, right? When somebody's wrong, they should be punished. Well, guess what? We should all go to hell because of our sins. So we just want justice or we want mercy. But we can't just have mercy and not have justice. That's who God is. Now, if we look at Psalms 27, 13, this was, this was a Psalm of David. He says, I remain confident of this, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What was the words he used? The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He didn't say big, bad, mean God. He said the goodness of God. And then, you know, I was reading in Exodus 33, 19, this is when Moses went up to the mountaintop and uh, he asked to see the glory of God. So this is God explaining himself to mankind. And he says in, in Exodus 33, 19, and this is what the Lord says. He, he says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. So that got me thinking. Perhaps God is a really, really good God. A really, really good God. And it's not for me to determine what he does or doesn't do, that everything he does is right. And let me, let me tell you one more word that it's really hard for us, but if we will understand this, we will let go of all of our preconceived ideas. Can you understand that God is perfect? 
Because if I understand he's perfect, it doesn't matter what he does. He's perfect. He doesn't mess up. He doesn't strike out. He never throws a ball. He always throws a strike. He, he always hits the mark every single time. He always does what's perfect at every single moment, at every single time. He never messes up. Now, I'm glad he's God and I'm not because I couldn't put that in my resume. But if I'm having to trust God through the salvation plan of Jesus, I have to trust God that he's perfect. Why would God send his only son? Because it was the perfect plan from the perfect God to redeem an unperfect people. That's why. Man, I could, I could keep, man, I had a whole section of, I had a page and a half that I cut out of this message talking about who God was. Because it'd be too long. Because he is so good. Number four, Christ. Who was he? Was he a God? Was he a man? We know he was born as a baby, but he, you know, he was born all God and he was born yet all man. It says that you know, he took on all flesh. If you've been part of our life groups, we went through the, the first part of the chosen and it just really taught, showed how he was a baby and he was born. It's like, that was him? You know, I expect baby Jesus to come out with gleaming glory. You know, he was born just like every other baby. Yet God had a plan to redeem the world through him. So he was all God, he was all man. What did he do? He paid for our sins and purchased a place in heaven which he offers to each of us as a free gift. He took on the wages of sin. And number five, we, we gotta have faith. Pastor Jim, can you bring me that brown chair right there, buddy? So we, we have to have faith. And one of the best ways I like to explain faith is faith requires us to do something. It requires us to respond in some way. Now, I'll tell you what. This chair compared to the chair you're sitting in right now would require a little bit more faith to sit in. I've seen some of these. When I go like this, it goes backwards. It's like, dear Lord Jesus. So we can look at this chair. We can set it here. We can inspect it. And we can look and say, you know, it looks structurally sound. It looks, looks like it's built for someone to sit in. But when faith is applied, it requires me to sit on and sit down and watch what I'm putting my trust in. I can say, oh, I trust God. Man, he's good. Man, he's faithful. But if I have not, now some of us, how we put our faith in God, we're kind of, takes that much to put, but I tell you what, faith is when I actually put all my weight on it, and I sit down, and I'm a big boy, right? So it requires a little bit, maybe more faith for me than it does for you, but all faith has to be seated and tested by putting all of our trust in him. There has to be faith. So we can talk about all of these dynamics. We can talk about, we can talk about grace. We can talk about man. We can talk about God. We can talk about Christ, but if we don't apply faith, None of it matters. John 6, 47, it says, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. So realize in this passage, it is not the one who doesn't sin. I'm gonna go somewhere with that. It's, it's the one that believes, the one that has faith, the one that sits down. Because guess what? I sit in that chair, I still got sin. It doesn't have to do with sin. It has to do with belief, sitting in the chair, sitting in the chair, right? It says, uh, the one who believes has eternal life. 2 Corinthians 5, 19, 
God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. So what does this mean? He was settling, he was resolving the problem. He was actually reconciling us back to him. And it says, not counting people's sins against them. So this was imputed on Jesus. I'm gonna explain what that means to me, like imputed. I don't know what that word means. I really learned a lot from this. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, me, you, and I, we might become the righteousness of Christ. We're right when Jesus sheds his blood for us, when he covers us. So God takes all of your sin, this is what he does, he takes all of your sin and he places it on Jesus. And he takes all of Jesus' righteousness and he places it on you. Man, that's a pretty good deal. So he takes all of my sin and he puts it on Jesus and he takes all of Jesus' righteousness and he puts it on you. You realize that? So people don't go to hell for sin. Whoa, 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 blasphemy. Okay, hold on. Jesus took care of everyone's sin 2,000 years ago. Sin is not the problem. Jesus dealt with that. He's already made restitution and penance for sin through Jesus. So what am I saying? Uh, that, that people go to hell because of unbelief, not unforgiven sin. Are you, you understand it? The sin, sin does not freak God out. Freaks you and me out. Oh, this sin thing, man. wonder if that one startled God. God don't care. He dealt with that. Some of us are so concerned about sin in our life to think, man, God, I can't be honest between people and God. It's just going to freak them out. Listen, all of us sin. All of us have issues. Say, I got issues. Don't look to the person you're left and you're right when you say, I got issues. Right? There's sin. Look at yourself. I said, don't look at the other person next to you. My husband or my wife, right? But realize people go to hell because of unbelief. They're separated from God because they won't believe. There is a lack of faith. God imputed, he placed the responsibility and blame for our selfishness or our sinfulness and guilt and, and, and he credited it to the person Jesus. It's like when somebody picks up your bill and says, I'll, I'll, I'll cover that. What you owe and what you deserved, he took it. And then the sins of the world he placed on Jesus and God gave us his righteousness. Sin has already been taken care of through Jesus Righteousness only comes, though, when we place our faith in him. In him, we are now the righteousness of Christ. Just because he's dealt with sin doesn't mean we will automatically receive his righteousness. It says, he died and, said, and shed his blood for the sins of who? The world. Not just the Christians. The same price has been paid for the world. But those who place their faith in Jesus receive the righteousness, who sit in the chair. If you've just been looking at the chair, that's not enough. You have to place your faith in the chair. You gotta sit down. Relinquish all control. Sit in the chair, pick your feet up, put your hands up. Whatever you got it to where you are fully trusting in faith alone, in grace alone, in Christ alone. It's not by what you can do. Sin has already been taken care of through Jesus. Righteous comes by placing your faith in him. And in him, we are now the righteousness of Christ. So in closing, I got two things for you. First, I really want you to rest in what Christ has already done for you. Man, if you've been working hard to be right 
and to be good. Come on. You ever done that? Don't lie. You're in church. Trying to be good enough. Trying to look good. Trying, and some, some of you are going through some junk right now. You're trying to look like you got it all together. Well, you got to relinquish, relinquish all control of that. And say, God, I'm just going to choose to trust in you. If that's you this morning, say, I just got to relinquish control and trust in the Lord. Just stand to your feet. If that's you this morning. Can't believe all y'all still sitting. Come on. Say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to put my faith in you. You realize the burden that you probably are carrying? The devil wants you to carry it. The good God that we serve never wanted you to carry it. But the devil right here, it's like a, you ever had a mosquito that'll buzz around your head and you can't kill it and you're swatting and, you, and it just, he just keeps coming back? That's what the devil's like. He'll just keep bugging you, irritating, irritating you, whispering lies in your ear that are contrary to the goodness of God. He'll, stay, he'll say stupid stuff. Well, did God really say... And he'll take a partial truth and then he'll twist it and turn it into a lie. Make sure when we're trusting God, we read the whole phrase of what they say God is. That he's faithful. That he's good. That he's perfect. I like looking at God's perfection because that, that just covers all the rest for me. If I can truly understand that God is perfect. He knew where I was going to be today. In this moment in my life at this service, hearing this message of his goodness, and that I would be given the opportunity to cast all my burdens on him, that I could walk out lighter than when I came in. You know, a lot of you leave lighter, but you don't know why. It's because the Holy Spirit just begins to come around the room. He says, hey, let me have that. Hey, quit worrying about that. I'll take care of that. And God will speak one promise to your heart that will change everything. You know the little kid's school song? He's got the whole world in his hands. That he loves each of us. Red and yellow, black and white. Whatever color you are in his sight, no matter. That he loves us. He is crazy about us. When we messed it up in the Garden of Eden, he wanted to redeem that relationship. Man, I bet it grieved God how long it took for the waiting for him to send Jesus to redeem back. We're gonna look next week about the blood. There was continual sacrifice having to be made until Jesus came and that changed everything. But up until that moment, there was this separation, there was this process for coming before his throne of grace. But today we can come with bold confidence. So this morning, if you bear guilt and shame, and the burden of your sin alone is weighing you down. Today, I'm not saying you're not saved. Today, receive salvation's full gift of all of also casting your burdens on the Lord. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're carrying the burden, that's because you believe the lie. He didn't say that burden's gonna be heavy and that load is gonna kill you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you need some of that this morning? Don't carry it. Don't carry it no more. Cast all your cares on the Lord. 
receive the full salvation today. It's time to bring it to the foot of the cross and leave it there where the price was paid for it. Secondly, this week, I want you to take some time and really use this tool. Let's pull up that gospel one more time and let's read it together. Pull it up on the screen. It says the gospel is the good news that God came, became man in Jesus Christ. Come on. Rose from the dead. <laughs> back in grade school when we'd make notes in our books and we'd put little memos and notes. I believe if God could write in the margins of the word, there'd be so many little arrows that said, I've done this for you with a little heart and your name written right next to it. says, while he formed us in our mother's womb and he fashioned us, he had a purpose and a plan for us. And I believe with, with all of my being that God has a purpose and a plan for every single person he has created. Every single one. Even the ones you look at and you scratch your head, I don't know about this one, Lord. Every single one he had a purpose and a plan. But for each of you here today under the sound of my voice that you would realize that that God is radically in love with you. Radically in love with you. That he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. He sent the best offering he could, his son. Wrap your mind around that. He sent his best because he wanted to redeem you. invite the prayer team up this morning. I really believe God wants to do some work in some of your hearts and some of your lives this morning. You may say, Pastor, no, I'm a Christian. <laughs> we are changed from glory to glory, moment to moment. Remember I told you that working out your salvation? Man, if you've only come to the altar once, you're missing the big picture, man. Almost every Sunday, I'm not saying we come to the, the altar to receive salvation, but we, we come to the altar to let God deal with our stuff. And he begins to chisel things off of our lives and he forms and fashions, fashions us into the image of him. So I don't know what your need is. You may say, Pastor Noe, I'm saved. Man, I, I believe every single part of this gospel. But I need just a special touch from God today. We're gonna open up the altar this morning because it's not just a one and done thing. It's a lifetime of saturating ourselves in the presence of God, continually being changed into his image. But it is the work of Jesus on the cross that works out the work of salvation. Let me pray for you. And if that's you this morning, you need special prayer. If you don't know the Lord this morning, you're like, man, this message was powerful. I need to give my life to Jesus. Today is the day. You might get out on this road, get plowed by a semi-truck and die. Whoa, 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 Pastor, you speaking that army? I'm not, but we don't know. 
I'd rather know where you're going when you leave this building because at least I know what to say at your funeral. Guys, come on. Lighten up. But this is a big deal. I don't want to scare you out of hell into heaven, right? But it's a real deal. It says, when you hear him knocking on your heart, open up the door and let him come in. It says, today is the day of salvation. So, Father, I thank you for each one here under the sound of my voice. If there is someone in the room that does not know you, Father, I pray that you would knock so hard that they can't help but open the door. And if you're in this room and you hear that knocking, all you got to do is open the door. Jesus will come in and he'll do the rest. Don't worry about the details. Just say yes. Lord, for those of us who have served you for a long time, Father, that maybe our heart has gotten calloused over just our lifetimes. Father, I pray that once again you would soften our hearts, that we would be sensitive to what you're doing. Father, I pray that today that we would be excited about the gospel. And Father, that we would look for opportunities to share your gospel with the world, which is the good news. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing, seen and unseen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if that's you this morning, say, I need to, man, I need to receive Jesus today. I've never done that. Come on forward. If you need special prayer, come on forward. I'm going to encourage the prayer team, and we'll just stay in an attitude of worship just a little bit longer. Next week, we're going to look at the blood I want to give you a website real quick, www.thegodtest.org. That's, that's on your card under the title. There are so many good resources to look at sharing the gospel. Spend some time and look at that. Next week, we're going to look at the blood. Man, the blood is kind of almost just as cool as the gospel because it was part of it. Next week, I want, I want to encourage you to try to be here these four weeks. I really feel like every single one of these is going to be critical to what you need to know. So next week, invite a friend, tell them the good news, bring them back this next Sunday as we look at the blood. Also, next week is our new membership class. And as I look around this room, we've got a lot of new people. If you want to make this church your church home, new membership class next Sunday is how we do that. So the sign-up sheet is in the back. We love you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You guys be blessed. The altar is open. We'll stay here as long as we need to. We love you guys. Be blessed. See you next week. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.